From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Matter of fact, that's one story I'm bringing to you this morning. Those field's ears of corn in 2024 might see some new technology buzzing over the top of them. We've seen drones become a big part of Wisconsin agriculture, and it looks like it's going to be on stage even more in 2024. Our own Stephanie Hoff visiting with Finn Johnson who is a member of a drone club in Madison that sees all kinds of promise for small and medium farms when it comes to drone applications. He'll share that story on a Thursday. Welcome in, everybody. I'm the fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee. Tickled to have you join us. Uh, Weather-wise, not as much sunshine today as we had yesterday, but we're still above average as far as temperatures. Cloudy skies on the way for your Thursday. 41 are expected high. Winds today out of the east, 5 to 10 miles an hour. For tomorrow... Afternoon showers are a real possibility. 45 are expected high during the day. Saturday, cloudy skies in 47. Sunday, afternoon showers again redeveloping. 55 the expected high on Sunday. And then Christmas Monday. Looks like it's going to be a dreary one. 80% chance of rain on Christmas. 50 are expected high. We'll see if Stumacher Ag Meteorologist concurs with that. Also, don't forget, it's a Thursday. Katie Burgess from the Everag crew is going to join us. We've got some bleak prices out there as far as Wisconsin dairy is concerned. We'll find out when Katie thinks the ship might turn around. Stick around. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to Blaine's Farm and Fleet, the original, authentic, still family-owned since 1955. And from Farm First Dairy Cooperative, serving dairy farmers across the Midwest since 2013. Farm First Dairy Cooperative, member-focused, member-driven, member-led. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. With the demand for fresh produce out there, we've come up with some unique ways to keep that production up and keep people full of those fresh vegetables. I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn here in Eau Claire. I was at the 96th National FFA Convention and exploring the Expo Center when I came across Freight Farms. And I was able to chat with Robbie Domenico. He's the manager of branding for Freight Farms. And I asked him about Freight Farms and what are they all about? Yeah, so Freight Farms, we are all about creating modular vertical hydroponic farms. Um, The mission of our company is to democratize access to food. So we're really trying to eliminate food deserts. Uh, What we do as a company is we create the hardware and the technology, and then we put it in the hands of those who want to use it, that are part, uh, who also believe in the mission that our company does as well. And what is some of that hardware that goes into putting together a freight farm? So first you got to start with a giant shipping container. So it's a 40 foot standard shipping container, one that you'd see like on the back of a freight or at a port, etc. So that is great because it makes it pretty easy to transport. Uh, Not only that, but they are extremely insulated. So with the insulation that's within the walls, as well as the HVAC system, that is a part of the hardware that makes it a controlled environment agriculture farm. It can function within temperatures as low as negative 40 degrees all the way up to 120 degrees. So we're really looking for this to be a solution to growing food in places where you otherwise couldn't. We talked about the box. That's what we see. What are some of the special features inside to help those vegetables grow? 
Yeah, so the greenery, which is the name of our flagship container farm, is uh, comprised of basically two different stations. The first one, when you first walk into the farm, is the nursery station. That's where you're going to grow all your seedlings before they are ready to go into our second area, which is the cultivation area. That's where they grow to maturity. So at the nursery station, there's two troughs, and that's where you put your seeds in uh, hundred uh, and big cell trays, um, and you put them in the troughs. It's an ebb and flow system, so water will rise and sink about three times a day to soak those plugs and give them the water and nutrients that they need. Because it's hydroponics, there's no soil involved, so all the nutrients are soluble in the water. Um, so this whole farm, basically, from the cultivation area to the nursery, it's all the plants are getting all their nutrients from the water system. And let's talk nutrients. How do they go into the system? So we have different nutrient dosing tanks. We have uh, for the nursery and the cultivation area. Basically, you're going to want to calibrate your system because not only do we have hardware, we have software that helps run the farm. So we got farmhand software. And basically, that's reading all the levels of your farm at all times, and it helps you to control all the different factors. So that system is constantly checking on your nutrient levels that are in your water. We have nutrient sensors that the water passes through before it hits the plants. And whatever you have programmed in the software to what you're growing, essentially those sensors are gonna read the water before it hits the plants and say, ooh, you're low on EC, we need to add a little bit more, or you know, your pH is too high, let's even it out a little bit, so that you have uh, optimized conditions at all times, allowing you to grow like 365 days a year consistently. And we jumped right to the nutrients. We didn't even talk about the water usage here. How much does it take to grow uh, lettuce or whatever's in the truck at the moment? Yeah, so basically in the cultivation area, there are four walls. Each of those walls, you can harvest about a thousand heads of lettuce per week. Uh, what's great about our system is it's really water efficient. Um, on average, it uses about five gallons of water a day. And that is because the HVAC system captures extra moisture. The gutters underneath our vertical farming structures, our walls, the gutters capture extra water. And with a slight tilt of gravity, it's going to roll its way back into the tank. And uh, like I said, then it goes back to that system where it's going to optimize that water with nutrients so that your plants are always getting what they need. Are there any other benefits that you can see out there other than, hey, we can grow something just about anywhere? Yeah, um, I've seen this a lot of benefits in like institutional and nonprofit sectors. So when a school gets a farm, at first they're like, cool, we can grow lettuce on campus. But then that ends up fueling their dining hall. And then they end up having STEM programming in different classes and agriculture and horticulture, all in greenhouse classes using this farm. And then not only that, they're giving student tours. They're giving tours to like investors and everything. And it's just like a really, um, it's a really cool piece of equipment that these places have on their campus that's making an impact. Boys and Girls Club is probably one of the best examples. They run a whole farmer's market that the kids run, the kids harvest and grow all of the lettuce. They get emotional learning as well out of it, learning to uh, work with plants and like turn them into paints or um, all different kinds of artful activities that you can do using the plants as well. So it's really, uh, for a container, the possibilities are kind of uncontained, if you will. What are some of the challenges you've seen with the freight farm? So I think a lot of the challenges come from 
Number one, hydroponics is still fairly new in the ecosystem, um, just in society in general. A lot of people are unfamiliar, and especially when you're trying to zone for one of these bad boys, they're like, so it's a freight, but it's a farm. You're growing food? You're putting it in an alleyway? Like, a lot of... Uh, a lot of local governments still don't really understand. So what we as a company are also trying to do is educate the public, um, educate about the zoning and the requirements that go with it. Basically, you need electricity, water, and Wi-Fi um, to run one of these bad boys. But I think that's one of the challenges is like just the lack of education around hydroponics in general. And we've talked about the nutrients and we talked about the water usage. And you mentioned Wi-Fi. What about electricity? Does it take a lot to keep this going? So yeah, electricity with any controlled environment agriculture from warehouses to smaller scale, um, I think that's, that's like the Achilles heel of the industry. It's what everyone in the industry is working towards is energy efficiency. I mean, if you just think about it in like basics, this whole entire hardware is running LED lights. It's got Wi-Fi, it's running software, it has an HVAC. Of course, it's like you're running a small office, essentially. So you're gonna, uh, it's gonna require energy. The benefits are that it is uh, extremely water positive. You can grow a lot of food, but unfortunately, like it has a higher energy consumption. But there are also ways to, you know, get around that. If you run your lights at night and avoid like high peak energy costs, that's a way to save. A lot of our farmers have been experimenting with solar, hydropowering their farms next to a river. Um, so we like to work with our customers to come up with the best solutions because this is a product that could change a lot. And so it's really awesome to have a customer base of over 600 farmers in all 50 states, 41 countries, and we're all working together on the same mission of just trying to democratize access to food. Get rid of food deserts. Um, everyone deserves access to fresh food. We're right into my next thing. You mentioned lettuce. What are some of the other crops that you can grow in here? So if you are getting a freight farm, we absolutely recommend starting with lettuces and leafy greens. It's probably the most efficient crops that you can grow in here, but there are many others. Uh, what I usually say is anything but a tree. So you can grow, which take that with a grain of salt, but you can grow root vegetables from carrots to turnips to beets to radishes, you can grow pumpkins, little baby pumpkins, you can grow cucumbers, tomatoes, uh, edible flowers, fun things called buzz buttons, which are basically like, I think the buds of Szechuan peppers that you like shave onto cocktails. Oh, you can grow peppers too, that's another one. It sounds like the possibilities are endless. But another question, what about harvesting? Can you reuse plants or do you, are you always new plant to new plant? you well it depends on the plant if you were growing a big head of lettuce i would recommend you just harvest the entire thing out with the plug because then your plant is technically still alive it has its root system on it and its structure and that will last way more than other lettuce in your fridge like i've had lettuce brought home from our office that has lasted over a month in our fridge which is crazy bananas um, but then if you're growing like a leafy green like arugula you can basically keep the panel right up on the wall, put a bucket underneath it, and just take a machete and shoop, trim it. Trim it about like two to three times. You don't want to do it too much. It's going to start to like lose its luster. 
But yeah, that's a nice way to also do like a quick harvest turnovers. If you have like leafy greens or herbs, you can trim them instead of harvesting them to really keep that consistency going. And from harvesting, I'm going to ask you about the taste. We get the same kind of taste that we get in traditional farming. Oh man, it's to me, it's night and day. Um, I've had arugula that we've grown in the farm and it is so incredibly peppery compared to grocery store arugula. It is insanely good. And like the mustard greens that we've grown in the farm, put that on a turkey sandwich. I've also just taken a turnip right out of the wall and eaten it like an apple. I would never do that with a turnip ever in my life, but it was so sweet and crisp and like almost refreshing. And I would never use those words to describe a turnip. Sounds to me like the water and the nutrients work together to provide a good product or tasty product. What do you think? I would agree. And I would also throw the lights in there as well, because um, we got red spectrum and blue spectrum lights, which combined with the nutrients and uh, the water cycle, you can really customize the texture and flavor of the crops that you're growing. So even though this is new technology to me, how long have you been around and sharing the freight farms? So freight farms has been around for about 10 years. Um, it's come a long way since our first farm. This greenery is now like the most advanced uh, modular hydroponic farm on the market right now. So it's really cool to see where freight farms has come. Maybe I'll be seeing more of these freight farms around. Thanks for spending some time. And that was Robbie Domenico, manager of branding for Freight Farms. And I'm Jill Welke from the northern end of the world's longest barn in Eau Claire. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Recently, the U.S. Navy delivered tons of food to hungry people halfway around the world. But you could help someone in your own community simply by donating a can of soup. Last week, a Navy doctor saved the life of a total stranger. Just like you could by giving a pint of blood. The men and women of America's Navy do some amazing things to make the world a better place. So can you. Whether it's by donating food or simply giving time, right in your own backyard. Brought to you by America's Navy. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural-looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. 
Pam is the name. Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yeah, let us speak a little bit about what's coming our way weather-wise for this Thursday. Uh, our man, Stumach, Ag Meteorologist, joining us this morning. I guess uh, the pattern is continuing as we expected, Stu. I mean, we're going to be uh, warmer again today. Not as much sun. I am kind of curious, though, about what's going on with this rain pattern and what kind of volume we're looking at. I'm looking at stories from across the United States. There's some folks that didn't expect to be hit with as much heavy rainfall as they got. What's in store for us? Well, I think you're hearing those stories from the West Coast and the East Coast. Uh, We're not going to be talking about inches of rain, nothing like that. We're not going to be flooded out. But I wouldn't be surprised by rain amounts, at least on through Friday night into early Saturday, that could push up near a quarter of an inch. Not a real big deal. Our ground not frozen completely, so there's a chance that moisture can actually soak in. And along with some very mild temperatures, I mean daytime highs that could push toward records by Monday, and temperatures that aren't going to cool much at night, we may not have a major icing issue either. But it's all mild air, and I'll have the forecast details right after this. Wow, 2023 has been quite the year for Bavaria Sausage. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here for Judy, Lisa, Scott, and the crew at Bavaria Sausage. All those smiling faces you see behind the counter when you walk in the door at the corner of of Nesbitt Road, Fitchroner Road in Fitchburg, open Monday through Friday, 9 until 5, of course, observing the holidays. Always available online at BavariaSausage.com. Or if you're looking for something special, hey, that's what they're all about. When it comes to authentic flavors, give them a call, 800-733-6695. That's 800-733-6695. All the folks at Bavaria Sausage sincerely want to thank you for your business in 2023 and encourage you to check back often for all the new products that are coming online in 2024. From everyone at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen, happy holidays, and here's to a brand new year. All right, Stu, let's have that forecast. All right, that big blocking high over the southeast U.S. will channel some moisture from the Gulf of Mexico north. Watch a warm front try to push on into Wisconsin, and that's why I expect we're in for more of a mostly cloudy day. Even a slight rain chance in far southern Wisconsin by late afternoon. Low 40s today, east winds 5 to 10. Cloudy skies, some fog, maybe a little drizzle late tonight as we hold in the mid-30s with the southeast winds at 5. Clouds, fog, a little drizzle Friday morning, some rain developing later in the day, but up in the mid-40s with the southeast winds around 5. And the rain then through Friday night, Pam, like I say, a tenth, maybe a quarter of an inch. By Saturday, mostly cloudy, upper 40s. And by Sunday, a pretty good chance for all of us to see a 50 and maybe a little afternoon rain. All right, so now we're just thinking Christmas Day, it won't be big, big rain. It'll be soggy, but it'll be big, big. It won't be big. It'll be soggy. It'll be soggy, tenth of an inch or two, you know, just enough to keep it wet. All right, and that's everybody? I mean, pretty much across the state? For I'm trying to think ahead for people traveling Christmas Day. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have too big of a problem, and temperatures aren't cold enough that it's going to freeze. So they're just dealing with rain. All right, well, I'll catch up with you tomorrow and see if you change your tune going into the weekend, okay? Absolutely. Sounds good. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, catching up with us for your Thursday morning forecast. And like he said, you rainfall reporters, looks like you'll be called into duty yet again. And don't forget that talk text line 877-301-FARM. That's 877 877- 
301-3276. Drones in our farm fields for 2024. And Katie Burgess from Evreg. That's all on the way. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Innovation. Freeing up your time for the holidays is at the top of our list. When you choose BioVet microbial and nutritional products to keep your livestock out of the sick pen and healthy, you'll enjoy more time with your family this holiday season. Many thanks and warm wishes from our BioVet family to yours. Learn more about how BioVet can save you time and money on your farm by calling 1-800-BIOVET-1 or visit bio-vet.com. Innovation. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. Actuate LLC. Design. Create. Actuate. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Let our family help your family. This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, <laughs> our canine cuddle ambassador, here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let our family help your family. Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI. The most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. Rural Mutual Insurance. 
Keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong. While you spent a lot more time around your home the last couple of years, you may have noticed a few things you'd like to have spruced up. Sign up for W.E. Davies Handyman Membership, and they'll help you stay ahead of the maintenance and repairs with a professional result. Boycott putting things off. W.E. Davies & Sons Remodeling brings a fresh perspective to your building project. We're a local family business with services from handyman fixes to living space upgrades. For stunning, transformative results, visit wedaviesremodeling.com. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Zach, uh, signing day today, obviously. How big of a class is this for Wisconsin? What, 20th for Rivals, Rowdy? 20th? Yeah, Rivals has them at 20th, and right now 24-7 Sports has them at 27th. How, how big of a class yeah. is this for Wisconsin coming like, in, Zachy? Yeah, I like to use the composite scores when talking about it because it kind of pulls all of them together. So I think the composite has them 25th. It's a, I mean, it's a huge class, right? I mean, they have it's, – it's right now it's at 20 guys. They've got an opportunity to add – uh, a couple more today. They're still obviously trying to hold on to all their guys too. It's crazy time to make sure that uh, no one's flipping down to places. And there's obviously a possibility for that, but there are a, a number of really, really exciting players that maybe we even see as soon as, uh, as next year. Uh, give us a couple names, Zach, that we should be uh, keeping an eye out for here on the signing day. Well, we know that we know that Braylon Allen's gone, right. And mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what Ches and Lucy's going to do. The other backs behind, those two maybe left a little bit to be desired this year. So they have three running backs in this class. Darian Dupree is the one that really, really stands out to me. He's a four-star kid. He's out of Illinois. He's a guy that a lot of people are trying to flip here late. Um, I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to happen. But he had like 1,740 yards this year for a team that won the national or uh, the uh, the state title and had 24 touchdowns. I think it was. He's a like electric, both catching and and running so he's one of those guys and then dylan jones another four-star running back he's out of maryland and i think he's uh, one of the top i think he's top 12 maybe top 10 running back in the country so those two kind of stand out for me because they're guys that could potentially come in and help them right away Uh, is there any concern of anyone getting poached flips here rowdy and i and are talking about this like it didn't it didn't seem like there was much out there i mean there there are a couple of guys like gary dupree i mean there are the whole thought, even dating back to when he committed, that there was still going to be a possibility because Alabama was was talked about as he uh, as a potential place he could end up, um, and they still don't have a running back. Though I think they're working on that, and the people down there haven't really necessarily been talking a ton about Darren Dupree. So I think he's all right. The one that obviously a lot of people are watching is Xavier Lucas. He's a safety out of Florida. He visited Miami this past weekend. There's a I don't know maybe a fifty fifty uh, chance that. They end, he ends up flipping, but um, I think Wisconsin is doing everything they possibly can to keep him in the fold. Those those are two guys that, that stand out in terms of flipping away from Wisconsin. There are people, there are 
couple of people that you could see choosing Wisconsin. Um, one that hasn't committed is Ernest Wilner. He's a defensive lineman out of Maryland. He would be the highest rated recruit in their class. If he ends up signing. Um, a lot of people are expecting that to happen. And then Wanaki, the name Rob Booker, the tight end who initially committed to Wisconsin and decommitted and committed to UCLA. Um, there are some smoke around him oh. that he could potentially uh, flip back to Wisconsin uh, this afternoon. So oh. that would be a nice add. He's, a, he's another big I mean, he's a very athletic tight end, and Wisconsin can certainly use that. Well, looking at the Wisconsin recruiting here the last two years under Luke Fickle, obviously year one was trying to save the class and and kind of scramble for anything you could get. This is his first full year. I know a lot of Wisconsin fans really want them to jump into that top 20 consistently when it comes to recruiting rankings. And I think when you talk about the Darian Dupree's of the world and some of these guys that could potentially flip, you have to be excited about that because if Alabama is interested in a kid, clearly that would be a huge recruit. If Wisconsin could nail it down It may be a step in the right direction and what could become the future of Wisconsin with Luke fickle. Yeah. I mean, look, they've, they've had, this will not be their highest ranked class ever. Um, that I believe was 2021 when they finished, I think 16th. So they've they've actually I mean they they had like three classes there that were all right in the top twenty five top thirty range uh, area, and it didn't necessarily work out great, did it? Um, but in, in terms of what Fickle wants to do, the the offense that they're going to run I think kind of opens up even more opportunities for them to bring in some some highly ranked guys. Now you actually have to become a competent offense to Oof. and uh, have some of those guys want to be here, but. I, I certainly do think that Luke Fickle has a chance to consistently be a top 20 type of uh, staff in terms of high school recruiting. Now, are they going to be ever top 10? Probably not. And that probably is going to limit um, what they can do on a year-to-year basis, assuming they don't hit the transfer portal as hard as they have last year and this year every single year. Um, you look at the teams that are in the, consistently in the playoffs, they are – consistently in the top 10 and not you shouldn't say playoff but national champion consistently in the top 10 usually in the top five in terms of the talent that they bring in but this is certainly a, a step in the right direction this year hang on to your tractors here's another update this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Cloudy skies on the way for our Thursday. We'll top out around 41 today. The breeze a little on the light side out of the east, 5 to 10 miles an hour. Tomorrow, good chance of rain in the forecast, 45 Saturday. Clouds and 47 degrees. Katie Burgess, one of the broker analysts with Ever Egg, joining us live on a Thursday morning. She's up in about 15 minutes. I'm Pam Yankee. Glad you're along with us. So today is the 21st day of December. What can I tell? you let's see on this day back in 1937 snow white and the seven dwarfs was released it was the world's first full-length animated feature film it was based on a german fairy tale by the same name by the brothers Grimm. snow white and the seven dwarfs released in los angeles on this day back in 1937 happy birthday to comedian actor Ray Romano, 66 years young. Samuel Jackson, he's 75 today. And there she is, Jane Fonda, 86 years young and still going. Happy birthday. And now you know. Well, we know new technology is coming to Wisconsin Farm Fields in 2024. What's it going to look like, though? That's a good question. Stephanie Hoff brings us one glimpse 
Madison area drone service says the busy time for buying drones is now. And this is because after the rush of harvest, now is the time that growers can sit down and explore how a drone might make their life easier for the next growing season. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Finn Johnson joins us. He's an ag business manager at Madison Area Drone. He advises you to make a decision soon on whether or not you want a drone on the farm so that you can be ready to operate it by spring. He says there are a few tasks that drones are really useful for. So where we see a lot of people showing interest in this is in cover crop seeding and fungicide applications. So with a traditional applicator like a tall boy trying to do cover crop seeding for corn or soybeans, at the optimal time for cover crop seeding, your crops are going to be really tall and you're going to be damaging the pollination cycle or just damaging the crops with the ground equipment. The benefit of drones is it's always flying above the crops no matter how high they are. So we're going to prevent the pollination damage cycle. We're going to prevent damaging the the stalks of the crops. In precision applying fungicides, you want to be able to identify and precision apply these, these chemicals to your field, and that's where drones are really uniquely equipped. Crop protection, but also some price protection there, right? The whole idea is applying precisely. So if you wanted to look into the full cycle of things, you can send a scout drone up into the air and map out your whole property on a daily weekly basis, however many periods is convenient or however many times you expect things to change. And then based on that information, that eye in the sky that you just got, you can then apply the precise amount of product to areas that you see and can identify as in need of that product. So Finn, tell me, what is the typical size of farm that turns to drone technology? It's going to be mid to smaller size farms. If you have three, 4,000 acres in Iowa, row crops, it's flat. An air tractor, traditional fixed wing aircraft is always gonna be more efficient, at least currently. So for those mid-sized farmers to smaller farmers, that's where we see people really starting to be interested in these things because if you have property that is, let's say, um, the topography is hilly or you have jagged boundaries um, where a traditional manned aircraft is gonna have trouble coming down low spraying where it needs to get sprayed and then pulling up in time drones are just like a helicopter they're hovering in place Um, but unlike a traditional helicopter that downdraft is not so powerful that it's going to be damaging to your crops and it obviously costs a lot less than a helicopter so that's kind of where we see people seeing the benefits of this new technology what kind of training does someone need to have before they (laughs) fly one of these things the cutoff to needing a lot of extra licenses is above 55 pounds fully loaded with the aircraft and the payload. So for most applicators, we're going to need what's called a part 107, and that's just a federal license. Um, I'd say it takes about two weeks to get, studying an hour per day. And then after that, you're going to need a part 137 exemption. And that's a bit more of an involved process. We recommend people go through a qualified law firm, or if they have friends in the area who have done it that can recommend that process or that particular law firm, we always recommend that. And then based on the state you're in, each state has different aerial applicator laws associated with spraying chemicals from any aerial vehicle. So in Wisconsin, you can go through the UW-Madison system to get your license for that. But again, if you're out of the state of Wisconsin, you'll have to look into that individually.
Then do you have the proper licensure? Is this a process that you've gone through? This is, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not bad, right? It's, and I'm relatively new to this industry. So, and after looking into everything that growers and farmers have to go through to get what they need to get done, done, it's a drop in the bucket. Anybody could do it. So what's it like when you're driving a drone? The fun thing about the drones is you don't actually need to pilot it manually. The process that we go through is essentially we define the boundary of our property and where we want sprayed. And then within that boundary, we can also identify, let's say we've got pond, water, animals, fences that we don't want sprayed. And then we just mark those areas. And the drone is smart enough to where it's going to generate a grid pattern that it's going to fly. And it's going to skip over those assets that we identified as non-crops and not spray those. Finn Johnson joining us with the details to consider if you're thinking about having drone technology on the farm. Finn is an ag business manager with Madison Area Drone Service. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their Proudly Wisconsin Badge on dairy products. And to Cleary Building Corp. They protect what you value. Visit clearybuilding.com to see the Cleary difference. Keep up with Pam at midwestfarmreport.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Markets in overnight electronic trade this morning are actually pretty quiet right now. Just taking a look at the March corn, that's unchanged at 470. December new crop corn unchanged right now at 502. Soybeans for January are down three cents, currently at 1305. November beans, new crop down four, 1259. July new crop wheat, that's up four and a half, 632 and a half. The dairy markets were very bleak yesterday. We'll be talking more about that with Katie Burgess in just a moment. Barrel cheese broke through some key support areas, dropped a penny and three quarters down to 139 and a quarter. 40-pound block cheese was down three quarters of a cent at 144 and three quarters, while double-A butter was unchanged. January Class 3 milk this morning is unchanged at 1560. February milk dropped a penny yesterday at 1574, a hundredweight. You know, despite the fact that uh, dairy is looking at some challenging times, Organic Valley Dairy Cooperative out of Lafarge was adding on more farms in 2023, and they say they'll add more dairies in 2024. Shauna Nelson, Organic Valley's Executive Vice President of Membership, says that last year they brought in farms that were dropped by their milk buyers, and they expect to welcome in more dairies in 2024. Uh, She says as far as the actual breakout is concerned, they had a dozen farms from Wisconsin that joined Organic Valley, 26 farms from Pennsylvania, 22 in New York State, six from Ohio, several others from Indiana, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, and Vermont. So Organic Valley looking to try to pivot and grow into 2024. Coming up next, like I said, the dairy segment yesterday under an awful lot of stress. I know it's something that Katie Burgess, one of the broker analysts with Everag, wants to talk about. She'll join us in just a moment. Don't forget, while you've got the time, why don't you sign up for our daily e-newsletter? Then you won't miss any stories at all. Right now, some of the headlines you can pick up at MidwestFarmReport.com include that story about Organic Valley and the number of farms they added in 2023. Enrollments open for the 
ARCPLC program through your Farm Service Agency office. You can get a breakdown there. Uh, also at MidwestFarmReport.com, more details on the upcoming Ag Outlook Forum on the UW-Madison campus, the theme this year, Rural Livability, and Beef Quality Audits. The webinars are on the way if you want to find out more about that. Like I said, best place to go, MidwestFarmReport.com, and get signed up for our daily e-newsletter. Kate, Katie Burgess on the way next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Legacy-exteriors.com Legacy Exteriors Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, x-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. If she's not milking the cows, she's talking about them. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Yeah, it really is all about dairy on this Thursday morning. Fabulous farm babe Pam Youngke welcoming in from the Ever Ag team, Katie Burgess, one of the broker analysts. It's helping to kind of guide us along. Always remind you that if you're looking for these folks, maybe want to get in contact with them or follow up on a conversation, ever.ag is their website. Katie and I were kind of communicating yesterday. I always like to make sure we're set up for the day and uh, unfortunately, while we were talking, the cheese market was falling apart at the very same time. We blew through some critical prices yesterday as far as cheese was concerned, Katie. Uh, did you see the train coming or did you get hit like the rest of us? You know, Pam, it has been a bit of a surprise how much cheese prices have fallen off here. As we were heading into year end, it felt like we did have a lot of supply of cheese out there. We've been still making milk in key cheese areas. But once sub-140 for barrels, that did come as a little bit of a surprise. So just to set the stage yesterday, blocks are in the mid-140s right now. Barrels fell to 139 and change. 
And with that, it's looking like January milk prices for class three could be below $16. Yeah, they're already there in uh, Chicago, I see. Uh, what is, is this a holiday situation, Katie, or why did we blow through 140 yesterday? I say the holidays impacted a little bit in that demand is starting to slow down because even though Christmas and New Year's are still ahead of us, from a grocer perspective, all that cheese and butter already needs to be in the store. But the bigger story right now is exports. Export demand has still been slow. I mean, maybe the one silver lining of prices falling this low right now is hopefully we can get some exports booked for the new year and get some cheese moving. But it's been quiet. Um, I got out fingers crossed, but even at this point, it doesn't seem like we'll get any long-term sales. If we do win some, it'll be more short-term business. What's the last cold storage report, Katie? I I mean, at every month it seems to fluctuate. Uh, do we have an exceptional amount of cheese on hand? Um, the last cold storage numbers were as of October. There was plenty of cheese on hand. We'll actually get new numbers tomorrow afternoon, so we'll see where we sat at late November. But one of the things that's changed in the market, along with kind of these uneven demand dynamics, is that there's a new cheese plant online in Texas. And as they've had more cheese now coming to the market, so that's milk that had been being made into butter and milk powders. Now they're making more cheese with that milk and demand hasn't increased any. So that's another reason why the market is under pressure right now. Katie Burgess from Everag's along with us this morning. Again, one of the broker analysts that's available if you're trying to do strategies. Ever.ag is their website. Katie, you bring up a good point. Uh, that new plant in Texas that's uh, converting milk into a different set of products. I got a projection, I think it was from National Milk Producers yesterday, that said milk prices were looking pretty good. I think that depends what region you're in, doesn't it? That's totally true. Right now, for producers in Wisconsin, Class 3 is under pressure because we do have all this cheese. On the flip side, for folks in other parts of the country that are paid more on Class 4, that price is going to be above $19 for December, and it's been higher the past few months. And our projection is, is that Class 4 prices, so Class 4 is your prices for butter and milk powders, are going to be higher through 2024 because Milk is tighter, particularly in the west part of the U.S., which means that we're making less. So to me, one of the most interesting statistics is that for October, overall U.S. milk production was down a little more than half a percent, but we still made 1% more cheese, but like 12 or 13% less milk powder. So you see a really sharp divide right now in terms of what products are we making or not making, and then that's been reflected in the pay price. So Unfortunately, here in Wisconsin, where we make a lot of cheese, that means the price going back to the producers is weaker than we see in a lot of other spots. Aside from the supply situation, Katie, are, is that powder market, that butter market? I mean, butter has been pretty strong over the past couple of weeks, but that powder market's not something I watch. Are they finding good demand? No, the powder market's still been soft as well. So uh, luckily for us in the U.S., they are biggest powder customer is Mexico. And Mexico's had a pretty solid year, but they tend to get pretty slow around the holidays. So quiet on that front. But at a global perspective, China is really important. And because China has been importing a lot less dairy this year, it means that globally, 
um, we're lucky we still have Mexico, but for those other markets we serve in Southeast Asia or the Middle East, there's a lot of competition between us and New Zealand and Europe because if China's not buying, everyone else has to slug it out to win market share other places. So the powder prices right now are pretty ho-hum, right between 115 and 120. Um, but we'll see what happens if demand picks up there. So fingers crossed for that in 2024. Yeah, it does beg the question, like you said, uh, U.S. production in November was flat. We hear that global milk production is almost retracting. So it does beg the question when this coin is going to flip. Right. I think it really speaks to how soft global demand is right now for all these products. That on a year-over-year basis, China is buying a lot less dairy. Folks like South Korea and, J- and Japan, those that's our number two and number three cheese customers. They're buying less product. And so... On the global marketplace, um, it has been a tough year in from globally dairy demand had been growing for a really, really long time, but it's stalled out and it's just kind of backing up on us and weighing on producer prices around the world. But to your point, hopefully it can get going again. And then, I mean, supply is tight and we could see a sharp lift in prices once it actually picks up, but we don't know how long that will be yet. Katie, what do you think is driving that lackluster consumer demand. Is it the economy and a tight pocketbook or is it preference, you know, dietary preference? I think it's more the first. I think it's the economy. So after, I mean, China had those COVID lockdowns for a long time and they still haven't seen their economy pick up as they've come out of those. So uh, on China, it seems more of an economic um, problem. I'd say that's been true kind of across Asian nations as well. And I think also as consumers are paying more for lots of things, so grain prices had obviously been very high over the past year. Um, Oil prices had been high every once in a while. And so for consumers where dairy isn't necessarily a necessity in their diet and they're spending more money on some of these other products, it does leave a little less space for it. But I think if the economy picks back up, then we'll see that growth because I do believe that global consumers do enjoy dairy. Well, God bless you for that optimism. I appreciate it, Katie. Happy holidays, sweetie. Katie Burgess joining us live this morning. She's one of the broker analysts with EverAg, and they are at your disposal. If you want to do risk management planning in these kinds of uncertain times, of course, she's available ever.ag and all the teams. So share our happy holiday wishes with all of them, Katie, and we'll talk with you in the new calendar year. Katie Burgess, again, joining us this morning uh, live to let you know what's happening in the marketplace, even if it's not the best of news. Enjoy your